Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and power hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions because in the world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone and Om Shanti, welcome to The Next Normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and today we have a very special guest. Dr. Elena Mustakova is an educator, counselor, writer, social scientist, and former professor in adult developmental psychology and a member of the Sustainable Development Gold Thought Leader Circle. She's the author of The Critical Consciousness and senior editor of Toward a Socially Responsible Psychology for Global Era. She has received academic recognition for her scholarship, writing, and international lecturing on the development of moral consciousness and the rethinking of psychology to address the spiritual needs of a global age. Dr. Mustakova's dedication is to the spiritual empowerment of individuals and communities towards a just, united, and peaceful planet. Her new book is titled Global Unitive Healing, Integral Skills for Personal and Collective Transformation. Please give a warm welcome to Dr. Mustakova. Welcome. Thank you. So let's really get into your study and your interest in consciousness. It's not easy to define what consciousness is. And before you take us on the journey of your life, what is consciousness? Let's get right into it. (laughs) Well, what a wonderfully difficult question. (laughs) Let me try to address it from the perspective of a NASA scientist, an Apollo 14 cosmonaut, Edgar Mitchell, who was the founder of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, who had this extraordinary consciousness experience as he was preparing to return from the moon to Earth. And when he saw this beautiful blue planet, so interdependent, literally hanging in a universe, in an unencompassable universe, he realized something about our interconnectedness on this small planet and the power of consciousness that really manifests in how we live on this planet. So he came back, he established the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is the Institute for the Study of Consciousness, and he said that he would like this institute to become for the inner horizons what NASA is for the outer horizons of reality. So using his language, I will say that consciousness is our inner horizon of reality. And from the point of view of quantum physicists, of course, starting with Schrodinger and then, of course, Max Planck, David Bohm, and a long sequence of other illumined thinkers and scientists, 
consciousness is the essence of reality. Consciousness is primary, matter is secondary and an expression of that primary reality. That's what we're coming to understand more and more. And of course, in this age, with the very severe and concrete crisis that we're facing, it is becoming clearer and clearer that it is the level of consciousness from which we address these crises that is going to lead us to solutions or deepen the crisis. So consciousness, again, the inner horizons of our ways of being with ourselves, with the universe, with the ground of all being, with each other. That's probably as close as I can come. Beautiful. Thank you for the question. It's always a good question to start with. And wherever my wonderful brother Edgar is, where his soul has transitioned a few years ago, I, you know, I just want to give a shout out to thanking you wherever you are, Edgar, for leaving us with such a gift as the noetic science and the research of consciousness and spirituality. So let's talk about your new book, Global In- Unitive Healing. It's been said that your book connects the dots between the macro trend of the planet and the micro-movements of our souls between our mystical life and our social reality. Tell us a little bit about the book and why you chose to write it. I have spent over three decades accompanying lives as an educator, as a psychotherapist, with people from all over the world. And I have seen very, very clearly in concrete ways, in lived ways, how our internal dividedness and splits reflect in the way we also live and the social realities we create. And so it has become clear for me that the inner movements, our inner longings, and our inner fears and splits are directly connected to what we create outwardly and socially. And we have to work with both in a way that makes practical sense to people. So my goal with this book was to offer somewhat of a practical map of how we can pursue this understanding and bring it together in our lives in a way that is both very personal and sometimes mystical, and at the same time is engaged and social and mindful of planetary realities. I just thought that during the pandemic, more than ever, we're asking questions of how and where to. And that was my response. Hmm. What do you think ails us? And what does it mean to find a path with the ground to truly heal? You know, what I think really ails us is we don't know what we're living. We don't actually understand what we're living. We don't understand the nature of life. We don't understand the nature of this historical reality that we're living now. And we don't understand the universal nature of our challenges. So when we don't understand what we're living, life becomes a path of bumbling along, holding on to the most immediate things that potentially could work, to our most immediate concerns, and there's no ground in that. And so a path with ground begins with our willingness to pause And really ask the question, what are we living? Which is what this book tries to do. Take people on this journey of pausing and asking the question, 
what are we living? What is happening in our world? What is happening in my life? How is it connected to what is happening in the world? How am I authoring all this? Am I? So mm-hmm. as people embark on these questions, what I've seen again and again is an internal quieting takes place. The mind begins to quiet. The heart begins to speak more audibly. The two become more and more in sync. And what we start to see is our connectedness to each other, to the universal ground, or the unknowable, as I prefer to refer to it. And I call that the vertical dimension of our lives. And that reflects in an expanding horizontal dimension of interconnectedness with all life and with all beings. Mm. And when one begins to move from that center, from that ground, things make a lot more sense. And where there seems to be no solutions before, solutions become more evident. I've thought to myself, Elena, that we do need this vertical link, this ability to kind of transcend the everyday sort of a present day situations. And we can't find solutions from such a ground zero mentality. Mm -hmm. We have to take it from a higher source. But there was another reviewer of your book that said that it offers potent and wise medicine for our times, that you actually take us into the heart of our wounds and show in palpable ways the journey from confinement in personal obsession to wholeness, but even in universal interrelatedness. What sustains you and enables you to do that? What sustains me is a truly evolutionary spiritual understanding that we are in this powerful moment of collective emergence. This evolutionary spiritual understanding, which I personally draw from the Baha'i spiritual system, which was revealed in the middle of the 19th century, helped me grasp midway in my own journey. I was not born with that understanding, but it helped me grasp my own socio-historical and personal and spiritual journey. And then it also helped me begin to understand what we're actually living, that this is a vast evolutionary process. And in this vast evolutionary process, there are, in a way, three stages to our awakening and growing up, which are terms that Ken Wilber likes to use. Well, not only he, a lot of people use them, but they are associated with his integral vision of wholeness. So the first level of awakening is the awakening to our spiritual nature, to the fact that we're spiritual beings. That was the first thing that began to truly sustain me. The second level of awakening is awakening to our socio-historical nature. The fact that we carry a lot of socio-historical baggage and blind spots and that there is a fundamental cleaning up which each of us has to do, each group, each individual. And awakening to that work, engaging in that work has helped me enormously to be able to be compassionate in other people's journeys. And then the third level of awakening is the awakening to our universal reality, to the universal nature of the values and spiritual principles that will eventually deliver us. So these awakenings that have deepened in the course of my life and practice have really sustained me and they give me enormous hope for everybody. 
You know, there's a, a section that you talk about the art of deep listening. And I was thinking about that. You know, an ancient art of deep listening. I mean, how well is everyone out there listening to this conversation today and in what interpretation or in what state of mind are you in in the way you're receiving the information that's being shared? So what is the ancient art of deep listening? And why is it that it seems as if we've sort of lost touch with it? That's a wonderful question, and I'm very grateful that you're returning us to this very fundamental reality and principle, which is present in every spiritual system from the dawn of human civilization. Every spiritual system, in fact, models for us the art of deep listening and calls us to it. And the way I understand it, it is a listening with both a discerning mind and an open and connected heart. So this is an epistemology, a way of knowing that brings together discernment with humility and connectedness and love and acknowledges the longing that's within every soul, listens to that longing for answers, but is also discerning. And every spiritual system has tried to assist humanity in different cultural and socio-historical contexts to develop this deep listening. However, now, as we all know, we're in a very technological age, and we're currently just now taking advantage of that with this video recording. So there's many benefits to this technological age, but one of the things that have inadvertently happened is our minds have become so sped up, so hectic, almost unidimensional, that we have forgotten the wholeness of knowing. So a heart-mind epistemology is one that brings together the true, the good, and the beautiful. When we only argue about what's true, but we do so in ways that are aggressive, that are violent, that dismiss the reality of the other, There's no beauty in that, and therefore there's no ultimate truth in that. Because when the lower vibrational frequency hits the consciousness, it becomes news. But what is natural love and peace and harmony and unity, there's nothing to talk about. It just is. You know, that's who we are. That's what we are. That's the way the world should be. And I think that when we get into that state, if anything hits us in a violent way, one thought, a word, an act, an incident, I don't know, it tends to shake the natural power and nature of the soul that I think the soul is seeking some sort of a solution to getting back to its original nature of peace, you know, and maybe sometimes the shake or the disturbance is a catalyst to take us on some journey called life and then bring us back to calm and cool. How would you characterize these times that we're in? And what would you say lies before us? Because many of us aren't really sure of what the tomorrows are looking like right now. It is a very turbulent and confusing time. And that in development is always the nature of an evolutionary or developmental shift. We are growing into the next level of collective consciousness, which is unity consciousness that is planetary by nature. And we are growing into 
the ability to realize that unity consciousness does not negate or bypass the richness of our diversity, but it brings it together in ways that unite the true, the good, and the beautiful. So this growth into unity global consciousness and all the approaches to life and to social and interpersonal issues that it implies is so painstaking that we just are not sure if we can deal with it or if we even understand it. That's why I think an evolutionary historical perspective is very important. In the mid-19th century, for the first time, it was actually articulated in comprehensive historical terms that humanity has evolved from the social organization around the family unit to tribes, to city-states, to nations. And the next stage of our social evolution is a planetary civilization. And at each next stage of social evolution, we become more complex. We understand more comprehensively the nature of reality, and we deal with it in more effective ways that are more deeply aligned with both the vertical and the horizontal dimensions we spoke about earlier. The trouble is that much of this is not really available as a coherent, comprehensive, and accessible understanding for ordinary people to explore and to orient themselves towards. And so in the absence of coherent frames of references, the turbulence and the conflict-riddenness of the reality we're living can be very frightening and disturbing and to want to retreat in our private worlds. In a way, that's what the pandemic has done. It has forced us to retreat in a private world. The question is, am I comfortable in that world by my eyes, you know? And have I been able to even understand the world that exists behind my eyes? And what is this maybe new truth, this new ontology that you see being born? And how will it help us navigate our perilous sort of planetary evolutionary shift? There's a lot of changes happening right now. And I'm not even sure if the solution is an external one as such a conscious one. And I do suspect that it really is a conscious shift that will somehow direct us to making some physical deep-rooted changes. Indeed, deep changes are in order. And it is not possible for us to make these changes until we make the connection between the world within and the world without. Such is our nature and such is the elusive nature of consciousness that in some ways we can learn to be more skillfully present to our inner reality. And at the same time, our ultimate condition becomes most clearly manifest in our social engagements, in the quality of our social engagements. And so it is our social engagements that in fact give us feedback for this, about the state of our consciousness, the state of our inner world as well. How are we impacting others? How are we impacting our environments? Is our presence bringing along a greater sense of unity, harmony, understanding, love, creativity, or is it closing doors in some way? So what we have to really discover is that in our socio-historical and psychological 
and spiritual evolution, we have dealt with many polarities, with many divisions, which are a legitimate part of growing up. So there is a clear parallel between individual lifespan development and our collective evolution. And in the stages of the lifespan development, people begin by making distinctions between self and other. I am this and not that. That's how the child forms a sense of self. That's how the adult positions themselves in society in some concrete ways. But once this first cycle of development called the cycle of ego formation is accomplished, Ironically, this is the time when we developmentally are supposed to begin to see that these perspectives are also limited and limiting and to begin to transcend them. And that second cycle of development, which I write about, is the cycle of ego transcendence. And you just spoke about it. Ego transcendence allows us to begin to heal our inner and outer dividedness. And in a very fundamental way, what I feel is ailing us most deeply now is our divisiveness. The fact that we are stuck in our divided identities and just very fearful that if we are to somehow relativize these divided and separate and different identities, we would be giving up something that's central to who we are. And so this growth leap that is inevitable because it's part of evolution, is for us to see that in relativizing our separate and diverse identities and recognizing our interdependent, united wholeness on this small planet, we actually are opening a safer space for all of our diversity, a space Mm -hmm. that is much more sustainable for everybody. There is room for us to preserve our cultural, spiritual, religious, and ethnic traditions, and at the same time, move towards a global governance that is regulated by universal spiritual laws. And as we challenge our minds and our hearts to ask, what are really the universal spiritual principles underlying the tradition that I so lovingly embrace? Let me do a little bit of work. Let me see what are these underlying spiritual principles. The people who have done that have consistently found out that spiritual principles are universal, as is, of course, the nature of reality. It's unitary. And so are the unitary laws that govern unitary reality. These spiritual principles are revealed in a somewhat different language in every tradition. But it's the same. The universal principles belong to everyone. And one of the things that I wanted to touch on, you said about skills. I mean, are there skills that can actually assist us individually and help with the collective healing? Because we always talk about the masses and the numbers and the groups and tribes. But we very rarely look at ourselves to recognize the importance of the healing starts with me. Is there a particular skill or method or thought process that you've used to even implement on your own personal inner healing, knowing that by your healing it is supporting the collective? That's a very good question. And most certainly, in my book, I describe 
the way of unity, which has an integral methodology of developing skills. And these skills can be thought of as falling into the four categories that Wilbur speaks of. So those are intrapersonal skills, and I'll come back to them, interpersonal skills, objective it skills, and social skills relative to our being in society. And certainly the way of unity has helped me become very intentional in the development of these skills in my life. And of course, it's an ongoing process that is constantly challenged. There's no such thing as arriving at the perfection of these skills. But even the process of engaging in their cultivation is already quite empowering. So in terms of our internal skillfulness, perhaps the most important skill is the skill that you brought up earlier, the skill of deep listening, the ability to be compassionately, non-judgmentally, and discerningly present to our own inner reality. Discernment is important, as is compassion and patience and the understanding of the fact that we're evolving with every moment if we're conscious and we're intentional. So that is a fundamental skill. Along with it comes the ability to quiet the mind and to really discern between a quiet and a not very quiet mind and then to center ourselves into that way of knowing, which I referred to earlier as heart mind, that is the place from which we gain insight. We literally see the path forward. We see solutions. We become aware of things that were outside of our perception before, if you will. So these internal skills are very important for us to begin to ground ourselves, and we spoke about that. But immediately, as we begin to ground ourselves internally, as we've already spoken, that translates into interpersonal skills, and that's the second quadrant in Wilbur's integral meta-theory. And perhaps the most important interpersonal skill that I have discovered in the way of unity and had to learn in my life is the skill of consultation. And consultation is such a profound art. It is different than dialogue. Perhaps it is most clearly illuminated in the Native American tradition, where people listen deeply to each other, bring forth their respective truths and perspectives. And as the circle continues, each person bringing forth their gems, eventually a truth emerges that does not belong to any individual but belongs to the whole, belongs to the circle. That's a consultative process. It takes profound detachment from our individual positions and strong feelings, Mm -hmm. or at least awareness and perspective on them, and the willingness to open a space where a new truth can emerge among all of us. So that's Mm -hmm. a fundamental interpersonal skill, which as people develop it, in their circle of loved ones and associates, it eventually carries outward into the way we operate in social settings, the way we solve bigger societal problems. And then we come to the third quadrant of skills. Those are the objectives. It's skills. And those are 
the ability to see the unity nature of reality, the unity nature of spiritual and material, and how spiritual is reflected, and our relationship to the material reflects on our spiritual condition. That yeah. kind of discerning view of reality and the epistemology that goes with it, which is our ability and willingness to bring together scientific and spiritual methods of inquiry. That's yes. skillfulness. You know, it's interesting when we break it down to just simplistic language. It's like, to what extent are you willing to accept yourself and really believe that there's so much more to you, that you can love more, you can listen more, you can give more, you can receive more. And I think for those in our world that might have a simplistic approach towards their transformation or their evolution, you know, I just have to say it just goes back to, I hate to say this language, but loving yourself, but really having an awareness how your thoughts matter. And the more you can think positively, which means to be kind and appreciative and just open to newness. Can you imagine what the world would be like, Elena? It would be so beautiful, wouldn't it? So how is the book doing? I know that we're still in a kind of a unusual position. Are you been doing a lot of Zoom tours with the book <laughs> like you're doing now or what's going on with the book? We're just starting. It really just came out two weeks ago or so. Beautiful. It's very, very recent. So yes, there's been a few uh, Zoom events already and more on the way. But more importantly for me, I feel that my life's work has been integrated in a way that people can use. Whoever chooses and whenever they choose, it is there to be used and it's not abstract. Even though there's a lot of scientific background to it, at heart, it is an experiential journey. And in this journey, I think the most important thing that I would like to emphasize again and again is that We all long to be kinder, to be more loving. Most of us have good intentions. What we really do not know is how to encounter the pain and the difficulties and the fear in a way that preserves and actually strengthens our nobility and allows us to grow towards unity. And that's why healing in this book is a unity process. We cannot heal alone. We cannot heal in our corners. Meditation, powerful as it is, is the first step, but certainly it has to point us towards radiating outwardly the capacity for unity. In my understanding, the law of love in a planetary age is expressed in unity. Mm, Unity in our diversity, and that is a very difficult process. I do not want to present it as something that if we just wake up, it will become (laughs) simple. No, it's a journey, but it's a journey that's rewarding. It's a journey that's empowering, and most importantly, it's a journey that liberates our spirits. And so my intention with this book is really to invite every person on this liberating journey towards the way of unity, which is universal, and which will leave us with the sense that we have truly provided for our children and grandchildren, because we can then leave them a planet that is in fact sustainable and livable and not divided and tormented mm. and unpredictable. Beautiful. So that is beautiful. the book. 
I love that. I love that. I can only imagine your family reunions or get-together must have a variety of the world at your table. And I know how that feels because I love being with people who are different than I am. And then I get to amplify or apply the law of unity when we are so different that we can actually sit and have a heart-to-heart conversation. Dr. Elena, thank you so much for joining us on The Next Normal and America Meditating Radio. I'm sure your book will be helping a lot of individuals. But could you leave us with a website where we can find more information about you and your work? Most certainly, my website is elenamustakova.net. And there is another website that I also maintain called Global Social Health. And you're welcome to explore both. There is a blog to each of them. And I look forward to further conversations. I want to thank you very much for the beautiful work that you do to bring illumination into our planet and into our spaces. And thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us on air. Well, everyone, I'm pretty sure you've taken some high thinking from our conversation with Dr. Elena. And I'm taking away the ancient art of deep listening which is something that I have to do in my capacity, which is something that has grown me so much. And there are two ways you listen, you know. You can listen with your own interpretation and your own ideas, or you can just listen with the intent, I want to learn something here, and something vast will open up for you. I hope today's show has moved you to another level in your life. And remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect that we might be here to learn all over again how to love each other the same. Take care, be healthy, and be well. Thanks for joining in. Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in and do be easy on yourself. Take care.